What if the statement, use me, Lord, isn't the right prayer? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Jason Bettler, an evangelist at the Nation's Hope Ministry, where Jason has spread the gospel to thousands in Asia and witnessed incredible miracles. If you were saying, use me, Lord, but seem to be in a standstill, listen to the story God has spun through Jason. So the big question is this, how do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us, who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Welcome, Jason, to the Riskers Podcast, brother. We were just discussing risk, your story, and probably my favorite anecdote was when you're talking with your wife, what, what is this, what are some of those risks in my life that I've taken? And she's like, you've taken too many, like, don't even know where to start. I, I love that brother, a man who has uh, walked in faith, you and your wife, your family, welcome to the Riskers podcast. It is so awesome to connect with you, Jason. Well, thank you, Caleb. I'm glad I could be with you today. And, uh, uh, pray that we can encourage a lot of people who are ready to take some big steps with Jesus. As you know, <laughs> humble beginnings tend to be a place where all of us start. And you had <laughs> such a humble beginning that led to a spark that, that really led to mm -hmm. the place where God called you to ministry. Take us into the extravagant lifestyle of selling <laughs> timeshares in a mall. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> Many years ago, I um, I was living in Orlando, Florida, and I, I and I've been confused about ministry for a long time, you know. And the Word of God fascinated me. Um, I loved being a part of what was happening in church, and and uh, I had this job, uh, kind of an interim job, selling timeshares at a shopping mall in Orlando. And um, if you've ever been to that part of the United States. Uh, there's a lot of tourists there. And my job was to approach the tourists, tell them about this timeshare. And if they showed up to find out more, then I would get $100. It doesn't sound easy. And it was even harder. And um, so I was looking for my next victim. And I saw this uh, British family. I'll never forget the look on their face. And you can pick them out because they're not used to the Florida sun and their faces red from the heat. And, and they were coming this way. And I was approaching them to talk about a timeshare. And I somehow felt the unction of the Lord say, how dare you tell them about anything before you tell them about me? And I stopped cold in my tracks. And I thought, that, what audacity do I have? You know, this is this clarified so many things for me, and uh, that set my course for uh, ministry thereafter. And I was completely unaware it was coming, but uh, God has plans. That is so cool. God has a way of talking to us in some pretty surreal moments, and it, it's yeah. pretty easy to fight those off, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm just. It must have just been something I ate today. I'm a little emotional. I'm hyped up on caffeine. You know, we talk, we 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 talk it away, but God gives us some really surreal, visceral opportunities 
share about his son and to be examples of the light, to be salt and light in this world. I want you to take yeah. us into what happened after that, because this this essentially was almost like a catalyst to you serving alongside a, a traveling evangelist. Am I, am I correct? Yes. I, I had to chew on that moment for a while, of course. And I, I think when God interrupts our life in such a way, when he, and he does that too. If you if you've been reading the Word of God and haven't felt challenged, you're probably reading it wrong. <laughs> um, if you're following Jesus and it hasn't impacted uh, or called into question the way you're living, you're probably following wrong. Um, so when God puts His foot in the door, it's good to stop and consider. So I had to chew on that for a while. What does this mean? And as I continued serving in a local church, uh, some things just started to happen in, in my life. And I was connected with uh, an evangelist, uh, Reinhard Bonke, and uh, became part of his ministry and quickly promoted to being his personal assistant, traveling with him around the world. And it was such a huge, we could say it's a risk. I wasn't thinking risk. I was thinking I'm stepping out. And trying to keep up. <laughs> and this is a man who had for decades uh, upon decades been traveling the world and, and preaching Christ. And his priority was just that, what God had challenged my life with. How dare you tell him about anything before you tell him about me? And Evangelist Bonke was one who lived that out in his life more than anyone who I'm, I've ever met and probably ever will meet. And he became my example for ministry and in many ways in life, like a second father to me. And uh, we had just a fantastic relationship and I learned so much from him. I'm, I'm forever grateful. Wow. There's this saying of, you know, once your your mind is expanded, it, it can't go back to its original size. And, and you saw some <laughs> things in this ministry that showed God working in this world mm. to you. I mean, that is a perspective changer that that changes the game. If you grow up in just a uh, go to church on Sundays and then I live my life. But, you know, it's kind of I don't see God moving. Oh, where where is mm. this kind of changed for you? <laughs> like, take us into like those things that started to kind of uh, expand your your heart and kind of just what did seeing God and the miracles he was doing and working in people's lives? What did that do for you? just as a believer and, and how it changed the, the course of your life. I, I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled that you actually have brought that up. It's a question I really think we don't, un, we don't allow ourselves to ask it. You know, we, we are left to wonder what does revival look like? We want revival. We desire a move of God. We can't see it. When you see the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in action, changing lives, flowing like a river, it does change your perspective. It changes your expectation on what God can do. And you realize that everything that we can think of, everything in our imagination is limited. Anything you can think of, of a move of God that has happened in this world. You can think about the, the revivals that happened through Charles Finney or, I mean, if this, if this is the kind of thing that you have, have looked at, there's been moves of God that we term as revival, but don't let that be 
the definition of your possibilities in God. God moves beyond the boundaries of our imagination. As crazy as it is to consider that and to think that, he's not limited by what you can think. He doesn't think the things that you think. He doesn't have to think your way. He has his own way. And when we stick to the gospel and share about Christ and share the message of Christ, not in a religious sense, but in a life transforming and saving sense, we see what God can do. Hmm. And, and we don't dictate that. He does that. And all we can do is really stand in awe and with wonder. And that causes us to worship and just want more, you know, um, and take that next step because those steps, um, God uses those. God moves with people who move. Evangelist Bonke would say that he moves with movers. He doesn't sit with sitters. And when we move, he is with us. And we don't have to ask him to be with us. He's promised to be with us. I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. And we're not quite there yet. We've got more to do. And we have to start believing that he is with us. Step out and, and trust that he is going to be, make good on all those promises. And we will see the power of God in action. God moves with movers. Man, that is so powerful. I, it reminds me that you can't please God without faith. You can't please God without oh, that, yeah. that movement. Brother, you've seen a lot. And and it's not that we're changed just by by seeing miracles. You know, Jesus, you know, he had brothers and sisters who grew up next to him and saw him his whole life and, and wouldn't even mm. believe in him. But what are those stories, either lives changed, miracles witnessed that come to mind for you? that almost scare you to share. Cause you're like, I don't know if people are even going to believe this. I saw it with my two eyes, but to most people I know who have never experienced this or seen it, it's going to sound pretty wacky. Have, have, have you seen those stories? The lives changed almost immediately yeah. or over a period of time or miracles happen. I'm just curious what comes to mind when I ask that question. Absolutely. I, I, I want to just, you know, as, as we kind of transition to this, I know there's, you know, you can tune into anything on the internet and the people talking are not always where you are. And um, sometimes I wonder if I am where I am, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, sometimes God does things slowly. Mm. Sometimes they happen quickly. And so the, the speed of uh, a miracle, let's say, above and beyond the natural process of things, um, sometimes it's, it's slow and fast. They have to be appreciated just as much. Um, but in some of our campaigns, I've saw some amazing things with Evangelist Bonke. Um, in our own campaigns, I uh, launched a ministry called The Nation's Hope in 2005. We launched out to focus on primarily Asia. And uh, oddly enough, we're, we're heading in that direction again this year in 2021. And we're taking that step of faith to get out there among the nations again. Um but we've seen in our campaigns amazing healings. One time we were in the country of Indonesia. Um, I'm really trying to filter through some of the things that, that God has done. And we had a difficult time starting this outdoor gathering. Uh, we had probably 10,000 people at this one event in particular. 
And part of our campaign, we had a local radio station there and they're broadcasting over the air. And we suddenly, we were not in a, a Christian town. It was just a bunch of churches putting this on. We had only one small local church welcoming us into this town. Hmm. One small local church. And I, I want to bring this point out because uh, the local government authorities were reluctant to have us there. Um, there was a lot of other things that were happening. And, and just the world is what it is. One local church, one local pastor happened to be a woman pastor as well and she organized this and we worked together on this we started this meeting and people flocked to it uh, we, we we couldn't explain it we had so many people showing up we had a local uh, radio station simulcasting we might call it now uh broadcasting this live well i'll tell you the first night we had about five people who were blind come across the platform seeing. And I had seen this in Evangelist Bonkey's ministries. This wasn't the first time we've ha had this in Asia as well. Um, so, um, but it's always exciting. And then a young lady who was not a Christian, she came walking across the platform and everybody in town knew her as having complications with meningitis. She hadn't walked in eight years and she came across the platform walking nearly perfectly and the crowd went nuts. Wow. Um, the following evening, and this is where I, uh, where the miracles really started. The following evening, I, I was I preached Christ. We had hundreds and hundreds of people coming to know the Lord. Um, it was wonderful. But then I started praying, praying for the sick to be healed in Jesus' name. And I looked as I was praying off to my left. I remember, and there was an ambulance parked there. And I thought, what is happening here? You know, somebody got hurt. Was there a fight? Um, these are outdoor meetings, not a tame church meeting inside. And here I found out that people were listening on the radio in their hospital rooms, and they got a ride in the ambulance to come receive a healing from Dr. Jesus. Wow. It was, it was a whole ambulance. The next night, there were four of them. And they started coming. They put a, are putting people who had who need a healing the, from the hospital. The ambulances were bringing them out of the hospital to put people on the platform to receive a healing from Jesus. And it still brings tears to my eyes. I had never imagined. Going back to the other point, it's like I had never imagined something like this. I had never, Caleb. I've never seen God moving and healing so many and people so desperate for it. You know, they're really hungry for God. And I mentioned about the authorities. We weren't welcome there initially. When I went back to my hotel room that night, I just sat on the end of my bed and I thought, Lord, I've never seen this. I've never experienced this before. I, I've never, you know, we weren't even welcome here. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't put in the words. And then there was a, a knock on my door. I opened it up. It's the chief of police with his mother-in-law. He said, my mother-in-law is sick. Can you pray for her? And we prayed for her. They left. Another police officer came with his sister. Can you pray for my sister, please? Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, 
Our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at calebrakey.com. I was up till at least 2.30 in the morning praying for government officials and their family members. One after the next, after the next, after the next. It was just an amazing week of ministry, and I, I it just wouldn't stop. And um, I learned then that who are we to tell God what to do? Uh, he will, there will be resistance in this world, but if we step out there, God can use people who step out. He doesn't use people who are tied to the familiar. Step out and, and, and preach Christ. Don't just do it to be different. Do it because you're like Jesus and you have his interests at heart. Um, I don't want to just keep talking because I know you have a lot of questions. Uh, however, at that, the close of that campaign, I remember going to the airport with a very small team that we had. And no Americans. I'm from America. My team was all Indonesians. <laughs> and we were at the airport. And um, I love people. Whether you go to church uh, or you don't, the Muslim leaders of that small city in Indonesia, the imams, they sent a representative collectively. And that representative came and said, thank you for coming. This was good for our people. Wow. That blessed me so much because Jesus loves the Muslims. He loves people. And when we stick to his purposes, stay on message, we see him move. Wow. Brother, that is so powerful. We had talked a little bit about us wanting to be used by God or asking God to mm -hmm. use us. You kind of switch that question and say, Lord, make us usable. What is that shift? What is that transition in that's happening that makes us usable. Yeah, and I think you and you said it just right too. I, I believe I may have picked this up from Evangelist Bonke. <laughs> I, I've uh, taken a lot from our relationship, and he's graduated to heaven a year ago. But uh, we often pray, Lord, use me, use me. If we pause to listen to the words that are coming out of our mouth, it is better to say. Lord, can you make me usable? Can you make me usable for your purposes? Because all of us are we're not just a hammer. <laughs> we're more like a pipeline. And we need to position ourselves in a way that his power can work through us. He gets all the glory. You know, it's not the, the hammer that gets all the glory. It's the project that needs to be done that glorifies God. And we just need to make ourselves usable. I believe that that sparks a bit more humility and flexibility. One of the things that we use, uh, uh, the great missionary phrase, the motto, maybe we should add it to the list of Beatitudes. I don't think it's <laughs> scriptural, but blessed are the flexible. We have to be willing to change if we want to see God rearrange the world around us. Have to be flexible. I love that. Brother, I want to continue this story. 
I feel like there's these moments in life where God kind of takes the veil off of the rat race, the ordinariness, and and you experience this through your ministry in Asia. And here someone comes out and says, thank you. Like this was good for our people. And you saw the works of God. Well, then you move to San Jose. I want to see where this led to and what you learned through this experience as well, because I know the story doesn't end in Asia. Yeah. I want to hear about that. You know, for years, you know how you have this sense of things you're not quite purposed for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had told my wife over the many years, I'm never going to pastor a church. I just, I don't, I'm never going to pastor a church. Well, I think the Lord must have been listening because he whispered in my ear one day, you need to go to America and pastor a church. And uh, I protested, uh, but he won. And um, (laughs) we ended up moving to San Jose, California which I love Silicon Valley and San Jose is, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, San Jose is the 10th largest city in America. And we did not realize the scale of what God was calling us to. And it was a major shift for us. But for five years, we pioneered a church there and we really enjoyed it. However, in the past two and a half years, we realize also the Lord was not letting us off the hook to reach the nations as well. So there's been a lot of things that we learned in pastoring. And we also learned that not everything we try and step out to do, even if God is asking us to do it, not all of it will succeed like our church. And I really do not have a problem saying that. The people that have been with us, we are still friends. We're still like family. And he grows people. People are the project. And we've gained forever friends through that. But when it doesn't turn out the way the world or even the church world defines success, there's still more to do. I think this is such a huge point. There are many listeners who have this doubt and fear about one, whether, you know, how, why would God even use them? But right second next to that is the fear of failure, the fear of what if this doesn't work? And I would love to hear your perspective on even just that language, because to look at success as just following God into what he's leading you into you are yeah. growing. There, There is no growth aside from hardship. I would love to hear you speak into that some more. And especially to our listeners who are just so fearful that God must have you succeed in the way you think for it to be a success. One thing that I think is a mark of kingdom success is the relationships that we build, that we repair. We take responsibility for our relationships. Those are the things that matter to God. And if you read through scripture, uh, just read the Beatitudes and how we relate to each other, or Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And many times we're just caught up in like, I want to be a success. I want to succeed. I want to do this. I want to do that. And perhaps the spirit of God is saying, you're not going to do it on your own, are you? Years ago, I was living in Orlando, Florida and flying to Asia 11 times a year. And that sounds really crazy. (laughs) Uh, We were 
a young family. My daughter was about two years old and I left them in Orlando. And I remember flying over the Pacific Ocean and I had this moment where I asked the Lord, what am I doing? Why in the world do I trouble myself just to preach in Asia? Couldn't I just do it at home? And then it struck me, what if I don't do it? What kind of world am I going to leave for my daughter if I don't go and preach Christ among the nations? What will become of the nations if we don't rise up as the body of Christ and do what God has called us to do? So I, over the years, I don't fear failure so much, but I fear not trying. We tried. If we didn't try, maybe that's more of a failure. Wow. And here you are following Christ. Pretty amazing. One thing before we jump off of this topic is you had mentioned this idea of protecting our own dignity. What does that mean to the listener? This idea of protecting our own dignity. Because I think that that is one of the huge hurdles most people just aren't willing to climb when they're faced with that choice of being called and saying, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I'll, I'll pull out another snippet, if we will, from Evangelist Bonke. Uh, he had this great phrase of saying, don't worry, dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> and I think that's so aptly put, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the spirit that should characterize who we are. Being known for the fruit of our life is a much better way of guarding our own pride, guarding our own self-righteousness, guarding our own reputation. Following Jesus really stands our world on its head, doesn't it? And I think we mentioned in a former discussion that one of the reasons I love sharing Christ internationally or cross-culturally, let's, let's think of it that way, is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, doesn't seem to fit into this world because it is always cross-cultural. Even when you share it in your own culture, we're here in America, I'm sharing Christ with someone in America. Why is it so uncomfortable sometimes? Why does it not seem to fit into a conversation sometimes? It's because it doesn't come from this world. It comes from a different place. It's God calling people to himself. It's a heavenly message that comes into this world, invades this world to transform it. And it doesn't always fit. So we have to be very conscious about that when we, when we talk about Christ. It's always a cross-cultural mission. And guarding our dignity in the process only hinders the communication of that message. One of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me in a life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the actions I take in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Mm. So the actions that we take are not to protect our dignity, but they're to model Jesus 
in this world and bring him into this world. And if we're not willing to sacrifice our own dignity for the sake of his work, then we become more of a hindrance to him. I love that. Uh, dignity is not the fruit of his spirit. <laughs> what a powerful picture. I mean, if if the listeners could remember those few words, I think that will give them such courage to take those risks, to step into those callings that God has laid before them, because it's not about us. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. Jason, I always ask my guests this, risk is blank. <laughs> this is a great question. Risk is faith. Now, I want to maybe shape this a little bit, though. Um, if there's only one blank, I would have to say faith. But Shape but it, also, brother. <laughs> risk is a place where faith meets love at a place called hope. Faith, hope, and love are the three things that we take away from 1 Corinthians 13. We use the, these the weddings and all kinds of things. But God is love, and it's toward us. How do we respond to it? Our response to believing that love is where hope becomes evident. But unless we respond to him, we don't have that life. Faith is not something that we have in a religious sense. We talk about faith so easily as if it's no big thing, as if it's just an idea in our head. But faith, biblical faith, is a life that's attaching itself and moving with God. So powerfully put, brother. Jason, where can listeners learn more about you, learn more about your ministry in Asia, learn more about the work that you're doing right now? There's going to be listeners who are connecting with this and want to hear more or learn more. Best place to contact us and stay in touch is our website, nationshope.org. And I've also recently started a new blog called pastorjason.blog. So those are the two places where you can connect with me. And nationshope.org is where you will get kind of the latest in our journey. Thank you so much, Jason. Lastly, before we close up here, I just want to thank you, listener, for listening to the Riskers podcast. I encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And if you've enjoyed this talk with Jason, leave a five-star review. Let him know how it's impacted you, and we'll share it on a future podcast. And finally, if God's calling you to risk, to heal a pain or, or solve a problem in this world, no matter how big or small, get started. That is your mission. I want you to put that as your resolution this year to be mindful, to pray and ask God what he has for you. And then start stepping into it little by little. Jason, thank you so much for your encouraging story, your words of wisdom, your insight. What a blessing it is just getting to know you and hearing that, brother. Thank you for being a guest on the Riskers podcast. Well, thank you, Caleb. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.